long and prosperous. I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit. Frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 117 of A Play on Nerds. As always, I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And we're going to co-host the living hell out of this thing. And this actually is a really special episode. And why is that, Steve? So this is a very special episode because uh, Jarman and I have been talking that as we near the end of our Star Trek and Muppet reviews, we need to think about the future of the show. Uh Uh-huh. So we've been coming up with some new main segments, and today we are here to debut a new one, and we're calling it Three's a Crowd. And uh, in these segments, we'll be reviewing the third film in film series. Uh, three is often where the films take a real bad turn, and we're excited to explore all of it. And that's why Three's a Crowd. And what better <laughs> movie to start off with for the third in a franchise than kind of one of the movies that started off this podcast. The very first episode, in fact, yeah. Was Critters versus Gremlins. So we're doing Critters 3. <laughs> because unfortunately, there's no Gremlins 3 yet. Not yet. Who knows? For and the even future. it's coming, but it's going to be a reboot. So it probably won't be three. It's, yeah. So, you know, it might never show up. And we're still developing what this, this segment will mean, this feature. But as of right now, we're just going to be talking about these wonderful movies. We might develop like games or something. We play with them later. You guys can request something we can do with these terrible movies. Leprechaun 3. Uh, who knows? Halloween 3. <laughs> Halloween 3 Friday is pretty 13, rough. 3. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And they don't have to be uh, horror movies, but this just happens to be Alien 3. Uh, well, here's the thing, though. A lot of horror films are the only films that like get these gigantic movies. Uh, a perfect one that we should do is Marine Three, Ooh. because it's the WWE um, funded uh, production house movies, um, the oh Marine series, and they are up to five now. Okay, well you heard it here. This that's what we're doing next. <laughs> and I've never seen any of them, but I think we should just well, watch the third one. Yeah, I'm not watching all. Of no, them. just the third one. <laughs> the hell with that. Uh, but that's that's for later, folks. Uh, right now, we're just going to have our normal show. Yeah, how about that? So, Jordan, what have you been up to since last time we talked? Uh, so I've been working a lot on my uh, big audiobook project that I can soon talk about. Um, it's almost done. So close. And uh, it's just a bunch, a bunch of books. I can say that 12 books in a series that I'm finishing for a, a production house. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but I've also uh, been going to physical therapy as a 33 year old because hey. I have back problems and I figured out some cool stuff about my back. And about uh, spines in general. So uh, it's pretty cool. cool. I, I go there with a bunch of other old people that are there with like had surgery and are just, you know, the normal things of aging. But I'm just like the most young person there without an injury. They're just happy to have the young blood around. I'm sure. But uh, you can help them with their phone. <laughs> yeah. But I have two uh, herniated discs in my back. Yep. And arthritis. Uh, just got diagnosed. Yep. And apparently what the physical therapist told me is that. 30%, if not more, of people in my age group have the same exact problem, but might never experience any pain. And the hmm. reason my orthopedic doctor and my chiropractor didn't tell me this is because it's more recent um, studies where they've actually 
taken people who don't have back problems and given them MRIs just to look at their healthy backs. And they found that a lot of people uh, have herniated discs and stuff like that all the time, but just don't have any pain. And hmm, so all, okay. it, all it takes is for somebody to pinch a nerve the wrong way with some injury or some movement. And then from then on, your back is basically trained like your brain because it's all neurons. They're all connected. These nerves that connect to your brain down to your back uh, to think that you're in pain. And so when your neurons fire like they're in pain, your muscles contract and that makes you feel like you have a sore back. So right. it's not necessarily the herniated disc itself causing me pain. It's just my nerve being dumb. Yeah, so <laughs> your nerves were laying the wrong thing. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's amazing. So what they do is they'll teach me a lot of stretches, uh, teach me things to strengthen my back so that it never and it loosens up on more occasions. So it doesn't feel like it's in pain and then cause my back to spasm and then cause my back to go out. Um, so I can really live with this. I'm not it's not as bad as I thought, which is great. I'll go there a few more times and I can be a normal person. So. But right now, I'm muscle relaxer, so I'm I'm feeling great. uh, Yeah, good. (laughs) Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. So that's my update for the week. What have you been up to, Steve? Uh, We've had a sick kid. We actually, for the second time ever, had to take her to the doctor. Mm. We got to the point where we felt like we had to take her because she wasn't well. She had a fever for five days in a row. And finally, the sixth day went, all right, we should probably do the right thing. Yeah, that's Uh, not good. We took her in, and she had no symptoms, no runny nose, no cough, nothing like that, but just a fever. Uh, and so the doctor said, well, fever plus no, no other symptoms uh, equals strep most of the time. Mm-hmm. So she did a swab and sure enough, Joyce tested positive for strep throat. How the heck did she get that? I don't know. <laughs> she talks up behind you, right? She knows yes, we're talking about her. <laughs> she does. Uh, so we got her some antibiotics and just keeping her on Tylenol. And she's becoming our, our, our kid a little bit more every day. Oh, that's, that's good. good. Uh, and then otherwise you, you and I started a dungeon world campaign. We sure as hell did. Uh, dungeon world, uh, by Adam Coble and Sage Latora, uh, is a really great game that is dungeons and dragons without all the rules. We've talked about it before, mm-hmm. uh, but for people that aren't initiated to RPGs, it'd be a real nice, easy opening point. Yeah, to get started with, because it's, it's uh, the players help build the world, as we talked about in the show before. And yeah, it's uh, more it's of a great. collaborative storytelling instead of like you versus the GM kind of situation. And this is my first time starting from the from the beginning of one of these campaigns before I kind of jumped in yours that already started. Yeah. So I'm seeing how much just how much the players contribute to the story in general and the places because uh, the DM was asking all these questions about, you know, this kingdom you've been there before this, you know, this town, what does it look like? And I was just like, Oh cool. We get to contribute and all these, all these different things. So it's really neat. Yeah. Danny, uh, because we were together and I were talking about it and uh, he learned a lot from my mistakes in my campaign. So I know that you say you weren't really there early, but I did way too much world planning. God, yeah. He's doing a lot less for sure. For mine. And, and I had been giving him advice all the way, knowing that he would be the next one. And he has taken it beautifully. That's awesome. Yeah. This is how the game like should have gone. And I know that now. And now next time you'll be even better. Right. Um, but yeah, German made a real fun character called sticky. <laughs> who's a druid. I play uh, Augie, a big, dumb, but polite half orc. He's very friendly. He's so friendly, right? <laughs> he ended up. That's why I asked Danny if I could switch scores at the end. Cause I ended up being much more charismatic than I kind of originally saw him. People just like you once they talk to you for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was aiming for. <laughs> so, um, Whereas yeah, my guy's really friendly, but no one likes it when he talks because <laughs> he's gross. <laughs> well, kind of, your guy's kind of friendly. He always prefers alone, though. <laughs> True, <laughs> but he's he wants to make forest friends. 
because he's yeah. a druid. And then we have this crazy eccentric wizard witch lady. <laughs> Uh, and then Ned, our ranger, and it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a, yeah, entertaining time for sure. Uh, We're playing again this Friday. Yeah, we are. We played again tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. Yeah. Um, because we'll be off for a few weeks after that. True. April's a crazy month. April is nuts. But before the rest of April, I think we get into some nerdy news. Nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. So right. my nerdy yeah. news is pretty uh, short, straightforward. Uh, I saw something on it's going to be well, kind of long and overdrawn. So good. Oh, good. Well, basically, April is going to kind of be our endgame month. We have a lot of plans for covering things for endgame. If you've already seen it, uh, we have an Avengers endgame article up on a play on nerds uh, talking all about predictions of what may happen in the film by our contrib- new contributor, Quirky Neuron, who's uh, he's heard in the podcast before for our D&D segment. Um, it's a really good article, really in depth. So you can jump into it and nerd out. It's great. Um, but what I found online is that, uh, tickets sold out so fast for the initial showings, which I'll tell you happens every time an Avengers movie comes out, a lot of Marvel movies, and they always add more, they add more to the theaters until they can fit everybody. But these dumb people think that, Oh no, they're scarce now. So people are going online and selling Avengers Endgame tickets for a thousand dollars on eBay. And it just so happens, and someone else was selling a $5,000 for a four-pack of tickets. And both of them are in small towns in Illinois. <laughs> Weird. One's in Skokie, Illinois. The other one's somewhere else in Illinois. Yeah, um, but that's the thing. Those are the kind of towns that have one movie theater. True. And maybe there's like... And there's not another one for 30 miles. So the demand is high. I could see that. Yeah. But I'm wondering if someone actually get the, that ticket sold for $1,000 and then laughing all the way to the bank when they see it the next day. You know, like, who cares? <laughs> Yeah, 12 hour differences, dumbasses. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm fortunate enough that a, a friend of a friend uh, actually rented out a whole theater um, for that Thursday night it comes out. Uh, I think it's the 25th. What the hell does this friend of a friend do? Uh, well, it's actually I'm not sure how much it costs because it's a uh, it's the cheap theater here. If you might remember a place called the Fashion Square Mall, Steve, when you lived here. Yeah, Fashion Square. They had the AMC and then the other one. Well, they got rid of all that, and there's this new theater called Premier Cinemas. Uh, Is it in the mall? It's in the mall. Yeah, it's two that, st- that I got to see that one time. Okay, yeah, and it's not the good theater in town. So we're fortunate in Orlando to have you know our big selection of theaters we can go to, and this is one of the you know dirtier ones, a little more yeah, dingy. Thinking about Fashion Square, it's got to be pretty gross in there by now. It's actually very clean now. It's just that it's empty. It's like a ghost town because malls are all turning into that now. Um, so okay. the only thing keeping it alive is like a floors direct the Macy's and then this movie theater. <laughs> so he in advance booked out this whole theater and he has these very strict rules about going to see a movie with him and he buys the theater. So it's his rules. Um, he charges $20 for each ticket. I'm not sure how much he's paying for the theater. Um, right. It's a 2d showing. It's in a crappy theater, but he's like no phones. Phones will be turned off completely. Uh, if they go on, he'll kick you out basically of the, of the theater and I'll never invite you to a private event screening again. Uh, no talking, all that stuff, which I like, I like 
you know, they're respecting the film we're going to see. That's fun. Um, people are encouraged to come in costumes, that kind of thing. Okay. So it'll be an interesting experience. I'll see if it's just, uh, but then I'm like well, trying to go. As, how, let me, let me know. How, it sounds like it's going to be interesting at least. Yeah. At least interesting <laughs> people that will be there, but I definitely, I might want to see it again if it's good um, in like 3d or an IMAX or something like that. That'd be fun. Cause this is a really shitty theater. I don't know. So. I've been disappointed by 3d so often recently that I'm not sure I go to care in that much. Yeah. The only time I've liked 3d is when I saw avatar in 3d and it was just like that movie was made for 3d and it was beautiful. But but every time I've seen yeah. 3D otherwise, it's been very underwhelming. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So that's a uh, that's my little news bit there. Thousand dollar tickets on eBay for Avengers Endgame. Wow. That's insane. All right. So my new news, uh, I'm going back to sort of my roots and I got a cheeky title for the two stories. I Finally. Have. I know. I walked away. Uh, <laughs> I'm back now. I apologize. Oh, good. And my cheeky tale today is down the hatch. <laughs> uh, all right. So there are these terrible things called antlions. And when they when they're fully grown, they basically look like dragonflies. They're pollinators. They're good bugs. But before that, when they're in larval stage, they look like they look like a a, like an ugly pancake you messed up on (laughs) with a mouth with a huge mouth. Gross. And scientists have been trying to figure out they build these really intricate traps where they build uh, these mounds up and they sit at the bottom. Think of the Sarlacc pit. Right. And they're at the bottom of the Sarlacc pit and they build these mounds that basically any animal takes any small insect takes even a step into them. The sides immediately collapse Hmm. and they're forced to the middle and they get eaten. And so scientists are trying to figure out how they did this. So they studied uh, these terrible things, antlions, and found that there are these secrets to their success to building these super secret traps, these super effective traps. Uh, And it basically boils down to they pick the right spots with lots of really fine grain sand. And the reason is, is that they don't want big particles because the little ones are more unstable, which is why the sides collapse so, so crazily. Right. Uh, they work in this goofy circular pattern that is the most efficient for casting out dirt. And they, they painstakingly pick out the bigger particles and the bigger grains of sand and throw them away. That's crazy. Uh, and then they work their way to the middle. They bury their, their butts and their mouth is literally just at the bottom of the pit. <laughs> Waiting for something to fall into it. Right. But that, uh, you know, it's not even that, that the process was even more refined than scientists thought. So they'll just slip, slip off the side, but the whole hole won't like fill in so they can still get out basically. No, no, no. But, um, the, the, when they collapse, so like an ant walks along, dips half of its body in, not only does it collapse, but it causes this, like the rest of the wall collapses hmm. and it helps to bury them and keep them in there long enough for it to attack and kill. So I'm guessing the ant line can then dig itself out if it wants to. Oh yeah. It's gotcha. the master of his terrain. That sounds pretty scary and badass. Uh, then, uh, and this is the second half of down the hatch, the journal of reproductive immunology, uh, released a study involving over 200 women that was looking at causation for women that have had multiple miscarriages. Mm. Uh, and they found a really interesting correlation that they're now trying to figure out and they've got a theory. And that correlation was that women that gave more oral sex while they were pregnant had less miscarriages. Damn right. (laughs) Son of a bitch. So they started looking. (laughs) So terrible. I heard it's good for your skin too. Mind you, this is like a this is a, a renowned journal on this. Like these are real scientists. I think it was called Men's Weekly. It's, it's, no, 
the Journal of Reproduct- Reproductive Immunology. Written by um, Howard Stern. <laughs> and so they started trying to figure this out. And what they think it is, is that, uh, that male sperm carries antigens naturally. Mm-hmm. And that by passing these antigens, what's into, an antigen exactly? Uh, it's they are the code that allows white blood cells to to identify and attack viruses. Okay, so that's cool. antigens travel in semen. This happens, um, and they believe that uh, the mucus forming parts of the woman's mouth, like the soft parts of the back of the throat and the palate. Um, that these soft tissues uh, are absorbing these antigens and passing them into their immune system and in turn into the developing fetus's immune system. Wow. Could that also mean like women would be healthier in general if they just, you know, had a lot of more sperm in their throat? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to say that because that's not what the study covered. Jarvis. The study should have covered that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> sure. I don't know why I'm this voice. This not but, about yeah. that. I thought it was a very interesting and fun article. <laughs> and when I gave the name down the hatch and his sugar had a lot and laughed. So I knew I was onto something. <laughs> well, um, I'm just saying, yeah. man, you might be healthier with my antigens. <laughs> Jesus. I just want to make everyone know that Jarman's the one that's making this terrible. <laughs> it's just, Oh my God, that's just too perfect. So they're still studying it. This is just like a causation theory, but that from immunology point of view is what's, they, is their best guess. I'm going to need you to hot link me that article so I can uh, have it on hand. <laughs> ah, my, damn. For my turns future out, wife. Turns out from Maxim. From Maxim Maxi. <laughs> no. From 1998. <laughs> Journal of Reproductive Immunology. That's fascinating. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. In all seriousness. So that's down the hatch. Down the hatch, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Charmin. Sorry. What's wrong with that voice? What are you? What I are you, hope your mom is listening to this. Why are you being biased against that guy's voice? He seems like a nice guy. I'm really nice. Just gotta put it down the hatch, baby. Keep that baby alive. you gotta stop. Stop making fun of that guy. He seems like a nice dude. He's just. He's got a rough life. That's why his voice sounds like that. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I don't know him. He really cares about his wife and his kids' well-being. <laughs> I'm going to make a strong uh, baby. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. This so, is really derailed. So what are we doing here? What's going on? So, <laughs> so for our first bit, uh-huh. we're going to be doing a, a, a bit that I'm going to call a reboot roundup. All right. And we're going to talk about, uh, I've got a list of some of the most interesting reboots that are coming in the next year and a half that I didn't know were happening. Oh boy. I'm sure there's a ton. Oh, man, the list. I had to cut it down dramatically. (laughs) That's pathetic. Uh, All right. So getting a reboot, uh, Ace Ventura. What? And who the hell are they going to get to play Ace Ventura? Like, who's going to be who can top Jim Carrey? Talk about movies that don't need a reboot. (laughs) Yeah. Who is asking for these films Uh, from the writers of Iron Man, uh, Alien Nation? Okay. Which had a movie and then a a long-term TV show. There's space for that. I mean, the re- reboot of V did very well, which is kind of similar. Um, v was great. So. Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is going to be starring in the reboot of Big Trouble in Little China. I did hear about that. And if that's done right, I'm OK with it. Uh, and this is not necessarily a reboot, but uh, Blade Snipes claims that he has been in discussions with Marvel. He's uh, been saying and, that for and a while. And has been approached though. about uh, coming into the MCU. 
Yeah, I don't know how that much that will work. And we'll see. Now that Disney's like in charge and has new mutants and stuff to bring in, who knows what the heck they're going to prioritize. That's true. Um, the Blob from the director of Con Air. So like the horror movie, The Blob. Yeah, that already that was a remake of the like 40s version. Okay. 50s version. Not to be confused uh, with The Thing. Yes, not The Thing, The Blob. <laughs> uh, Bloodsport is, is getting a reboot. Generic kickboxing movie. Yay. Yeah, I, I'm so that like that's it's just such a ridiculous movie. I'm just excited to see it happen. <laughs> I hope it still casts John Claude Van Damme. Uh, Clue has been kind of in limbo. Uh, they Universal had them, but they got dropped by Universal. They were picked up by 20th Century Fox, uh, and is now in theory owned by Disney, though there hasn't been any word of it. Hmm. Um, so, but there was a reboot of Clue in the works. That that could work. Uh, from the director of Overlord. Uh, is is rebooting Flash Gordon. They can always reboot Flash Gordon. It's already been rebooted like three times already, sorry. That's so true. What's one more? What's one more? Uh, John Wick co-director, uh, Highlander. Yes, that could and do very well with the reboot. It was originally Ryan Reynolds. He apparently recently dropped, but Dave Batista is set to play the Kurgan the villain from the first film. All right. I don't like Ryan Reynolds doing the lead. That does not make well, sense to me. Well, he dropped out. So that's good. the good news. But yeah, Dave Batista is Kirk and sure. But yeah, find like a, uh, a more, what's his face? Who played Raiden? Who played the original Highlander? Um, gosh, I don't know. I am the Highlander. And you I'm are fresh. putting me way too much. <laughs> Maybe Sean Connery will come back. He's not acting at all anymore. But no, like, yeah, he retired uh, because of a terrible movie. The guy who played the Highlander in the TV show, I thought was fantastic, and he is oh, just he pretty good. You're right. He's now the main one of the main villains on the Arrow on CW. And I was like, oh, it's him. He's back. Christopher uh, Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Yeah. But yeah, find a more ethnic guy to play the Highlander. He's kind of been, a, yeah. And maybe if you're gonna have a guy claim that he's a Spaniard, not make him Sean Connery. I'm from Spain. <laughs> I'm a Spaniard. I'm, I speak Spanish. <laughs> Como estas? Hola. Muy bien, gracias. <laughs> Bathroom. <laughs> El baño. <laughs> uh, so that's coming, by the way. All right. All right that's uh, good. Uh, both Disney and Sony are making live action Mulans. What the fuck? How? The Disney one will be the animated slash live action version of their animated one. Right. And the Sony one will be apparent. Apparently Mulan is a, um, like a like folktale or something. And, folk and they are planning on making a Mulan that is much truer to the folktale. Oh, good. <laughs> so we'll Just see. what we need. Uh, from the director of Alvin and the Chipmunks and Muppets from Space, Short Circuit with Johnny Five. He was somebody who's not in brown face? Maybe. We'll <laughs> see. I don't want to push it too much. That guy did a real good job. <laughs> Uh, if you guys uh, haven't seen uh short circuit has maybe one of the worst ex like recent relatively recent examples of blackface in cinema right it's essentially it was an indian person yeah, i don't if you weren't being sensitive to that at the time and they just took a white guy and just put brown makeup all over him for the entire movie and he did an accent it's really bad check out short circuit if only to judge it and i'm acknowledging my white privilege here but I'm just going to say that I will miss doing an Indian accent the most out of every impersonation I did because 
I had a coworker who was Indian. I did it in front of her and didn't even think about it. And she said, that's offensive. Can you not do that? I was like, holy shit, you're right. I'm so sorry. And then I have two friends of mine who uh, are very aware of social consciousness and that kind of thing. And I did it once in front of them because they're my friends. I wasn't thinking about it. And they were just like, hey, that's, that's not cool, man. I'm like, damn it. You're right. Fuck. I can't do that accent anymore. I love that accent. <laughs> so it makes me sad. But uh, that's fair. I'm checking my white privilege. I realize it makes me sad. Boohoo me. Someone who did a quasi Indian accent for an entire two and a half hour play in high school. Yeah. And brown face. Mm-hmm. Because they, I, that that was I like I look back at that now and go, man, that is so fucked. I up. forgot all about that. That's right. You were I in brown face for Oklahoma. That. I dyed my hair black and went pretty much brown face for Oklahoma. And you can't hold that against us because we were in 10th grade, I believe. And this was. Uh, no, that was your senior year. Oh, senior year. Senior year. But either way, it's like we were we weren't directing that play. They casted you as an Indian person. Well, no, they didn't. So they they cast You're ruining a, my defense here, buddy. <laughs> no, 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 but this did happen through like a weird series of like this is how oh, this okay. occurred. Uh, this kid Gaston Blanchett, who is sort of ethnically ambiguous, we'll say. Right, I think he's dark por- hair, Portuguese, browner maybe? skin. Yeah, Portuguese, I believe. Um, and he was going to play Ali Hackam, and he was doing this. Um, basically Middle Eastern accent of one of his dad's clients, I think was the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they loved it and he did it. He quit. <laughs> like oh. I remember he came in and threw down his script and quit in one of the, in like the third weekend or something like that. In one of the many rants of our, our high school music teacher, cause he's a terrible human being. <laughs> uh, and then I got moved into this role and I remember going to the first, the first, um, like when we were rehearsing and trying to do it my way and they're going and then going, no, 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 we want you to do it the way Gaston was doing it. Oh boy. So I end up doing this racist accent <laughs> and still pretending to be Middle Eastern because that's the way they wanted it because that's how Gaston did it. Right. And that's, and literally that's like what it's cast as, but you could, you could literally just do it any way you wanted to, but yeah, they made, they wanted you to do it that way. Yeah. But the thing but is, other, originally us, I was supposed to be the farmer, and then Kevin actually got that role. The main and he got a solo because they cut my solo. That's well, you had a solo as as Ali Hackett, nope. didn't you? No, bamboozled hoodwinked was canceled. Oh, was cut. Oh, that's right. He has one initially, but yeah. And by the way, folks, I was Curly, the lead of the I, play. I remember you worked really hard to get that too. That was like my biggest role in high school. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, I got several fights on stage with the entire class watching with the, the music teacher <laughs> during that play. Dude, Trey J was crazy. <laughs> Never forget like, one I of the things. Mem- like, don't wrong. I have good memories of him. I really do. But I got a lot of real bad ones. Too. <laughs> I'll never forget one of the biggest things I got an argument with him about. It was uh, it was uh, he's a Western character, Curly. If you haven't seen Oklahoma before, it's a great rendition that Hugh Jackman does. It's on DVD and oh, stuff. Spectacular. Now. But um oklahoma where the wind comes sweeping down the plane but i I go oh like that he says don't scoop up to that never scoop when you sing and then i hear him singing in a night on broadway performance not too long before that and he's scooping all over the place on a ballad that has nothing to do with like scooping and i said well you did it in night on broadway and he says what did you say to me (laughs) and we get this fight on stage in front of all the class And so he just never liked me, and I I didn't find with that. But um, anyway, here's my favorite Trey J memory: is it was the chorus retreat, and we were in like one of the two boys bunks because there are only like forty boys in chorus. 
Yeah, uh, we had chorus retreats people where we actually went to camp with our chorus group. And someone's like CD player got stolen. And Trey J came in and made some really just dumb open statement of like, well, if it's not returned, you are all paying for it. And I remember he went, no, I'm not. <laughs> I didn't steal that. We didn't steal that. Someone did, but we're, I'm not paying a thing for that. And I remember you and Trey J get into it. And then you telling Trey J that he was acting like a child. <laughs> yes. Like, like, I wish I was cutting words here. German flat out told this full grown man that he was acting like a child. My words were, you're acting like a 12 year old girl is what I told him to his face. I'll never forget it. Um, uh, that was a good course retreat. Yeah, that was good times. <laughs> and then later on that night, he came by in a car where I was walking back to the cab and he stops and he comes out. He's like, German, I just want to let you know. I'm, I'm upset by what you said, but, um. You remind me a lot of me when I was your age, and I understand, but uh, you shouldn't talk to me like that. <laughs> That's what he said to so me. Trey J did. He did apologize, but his his blowouts with you were very public, and his apologies were very private. Right. And the CD player was found, by the way, like under someone's pillow, and it, it wasn't stolen at all. So yeah. it, it was all for nothing bullshit. That was yeah, a I big... Remember, uh, <laughs> I, I remember... <laughs> we're just going to keep going. The hell with it. <laughs> I remember on the similar retreat, me and one or two other guys got, got tapped to go and set up a keyboard in one of the rooms for like the altos or something, alto practice room. Oh, good. And we, we had to set up all this equipment and stuff and we showed up late and they had already handed out the sheet music and they ran out. So I remember Trey Jacobs selling me like, uh, you know, well, we'll get you guys music. Sorry, we ran out. We had a few extra people and we were okay. And then th- like three days later in concert choir, I'm looking on Central sheet music and he like stops rehearsal to yell at me for not having my sheet music. <laughs> and I remember like getting real upset with him and be like, you told me you were going to give it for you. I never said that you need to bring your music and come prepared. Like, All right. And then later he, he like handed me a folder and he's like, next time don't argue with me. Like, right, well. Even though I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. This, I- this man, by the way, like five, six that we're describing. And see, I think we all might have had one really overbearing teacher or and or coach in high school. Um, and he had a lot of insecurity issues back then. You could tell. And he was trying to befriend students like they were equals and like gossiping and having to what I really hope. And I do think that he has grown a lot as a person since then. He's gone on to work for colleges. He's very talented musician and choir director. And uh, oh, a super talented male singer, too, for that matter. Yeah. Like, it's just a matter of he was going through a second high school phase. And it was not healthy for us or for him. And I, I hope that he's gotten the help and better in life. And he's just, you know, happy. That's yeah, all I wish. And here's the thing. At the same time, though, like his intensity and somewhat insanity is really what, you know, Winter Park was always considered the best choral program in the state or one of the best in the state. We were too good for what we deserved. Yeah, we were really good. So because that it attracted talent and, a you know, a choreographer from New York and these people that wrote songs for us at one point, like. You know, it did come with it. He did some good stuff, but yeah, he was. We performed in Carnegie Hall, for God's sakes. Yeah, I performed in Carnegie Hall. You're absolutely right. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but enough about that. So uh, (laughs) so that was that was short circuit. All right. (laughs) Brown face. Short circuit. All right. Holy shit. What a story. Um, (laughs) So the the last one, Starship Troopers. from the people that made Baywatch, they say that they are making a very faithful adaptation of Starship Troopers. And just yesterday, I heard that it has been optioned as a TV show. Interesting. But I'm very excited about that one. Starship Troopers is an, an excellent book. 
book maybe yeah this the movie people like still love that as like a great uh you know what do you call it uh comment on society no like what's the word for that i don't know but uh, i just don't see the appeal it's like a stupid b movie but yeah i think it's i think it's great and overblown fun like i do enjoy starship troopers but the same way that i enjoy like a clown getting hit in the face with a pie hey i I heard they have co-ed showers in that movie hey (laughs) shut up guy where'd you come from get out of here get back in your tent yeah go back and put more semen in your wife's mouth you ride a horse somewhere and don't bother no one (laughs) My horse has no name. All right. All right. Get out of here, man. Just take it easy. All right. So that takes us into (laughs) threes, a crowd. We're going to be reviewing Critters 3. Here we go. Oh, my gosh. After their first visit. Call the army. They're here. Who? Who? Them? You thought they were destroyed. But they return. And they're getting bigger. After the second encounter. You thought the fuzzy devils were dead. But you were wrong. You're not as smart as you think you are. The critters are back. (laughs) (laughs) They've just rolled into the big city. Oh, safe at home. In search of new neighbors. Aliens. Aliens in the base. You have to believe her. They're big, they're huge. And they're never late for dinner. You don't have a gun up here or anything like that. How about a meat cleaver? What is eating him? Eat that. Critters 3. You are what they eat. Open wide. Oh, and that was the movie, folks. Have a good one. All right. Take it easy. Stay nerdy, <laughs> my friends. <laughs> okay. So this, so we've reviewed the first two at some point. We did. This one is f- so many steps below even the second one that it's incredible. Oh. Yeah. And I, I'm glad they had like a, a full on recap in the beginning of this movie with clips from the first two movies and everything. Cause I was like, what the fuck happened in those last two movies? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk about some, some notable actors that show up. Well, the number one of course is Leonardo DiCaprio in his first feature film. That's right. As a little boy. Uh, and a fun uh, fact, Carrie Ewell's passed on the role that he played. Leonardo DiCaprio's role. Yeah. But Carrie Eels would have been like so much older. Yeah, who knows? There was a range apparently, but yeah, he turned it down. Well, that makes more sense because in the beginning, the main actress, she's probably about 16, maybe she encounters Leonardo DiCaprio and he's he's harassing her little brother who's like maybe eight, nine, maybe younger. Like They're all kids. But she says to him, um, get away from him, creep. What are you, some kind of um, pervert or something? And I was yeah. like, that doesn't make any sense because he's also a kid. Like that yeah, is like he's not that much older. Right. So if it was Carrie Ewells who like in his early twenties or something or late teens, that would have made more sense. Um yeah. that line didn't make any sense when yeah. So that was the thing. Um so we got so yeah, Leo, uh Diana Bellamy, who you know from something. She did an outbreak in Air Force One and Quantum Leap and tons of one off shows and one off shots from the eight shows from the eighties and nineties. Oh, is that the real fit lady? No, the, the, the bigger lady. Oh, the bigger lady. Okay. Yeah. She was really, she was actually so funny in this book movie. Oh, she was real good. 
Um, so Francis Bay, who you may know as that old lady from everything. Oh, you'll recognize her immediately, folks. Francis Bay. Check her out. She's, uh, happy, she's Bay. Happy, she plays happy Gilmore's grandmother and Happy Gilmore. That's what I mostly know her from. She's always been old and she's fantastic. Uh, Joseph Cousins, a young, the, the kid actor, the, the blonde, uh, was also the lead in Kindergarten Cop. Lead oh, Jack. all right. I'm a uh, copy with the Three or four other things and like most children, actors disappeared. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Uh, William Dennis Hunt, who played Briggs, uh, who was kind of the, the, um, the jerk stepdad. Right. Uh, so he's not really notable, but he only has a few credits and two of them are, uh, called something from a film called flesh Gordon and flesh Gordon (laughs) Two, which appear to be like not quite full-on porn, but like sexual exploitation ripoffs of Flash Gordon. Those were actually very Sci-fi famous. Thing. Yeah, they were because um, they're like softcore, I think. But they're like yeah. really kind of funny and like the one of the first really successful porn parodies that became like a big industry. But yeah, Flash Gordon is actually we learned about that in film school a little bit. Actually, the guy who played the stepdad was the villain in both of those films. Oh, OK. Yeah. And also played man number two on an episode of Who's the Boss? Well, how do you beat that? Angela. Um, (laughs) You got uh, Jeffrey Blake, who is another one of these guys that you'll recognize from something. He was in The Last Starfighter and Young Guns and did an episode of Star Trek D Space Nine called Playing God. I don't know if that rings any bells to you. Who was he in this movie? Uh, He was the like jerk uh, building worker. Oh, the the really crappy over the top New York accent. Yeah. Hey, what are you he doing over also, there? Yeah, I'm your landlord. Whatever. Also enforced Gump Apollo 13 Ed TV. Wow. Yeah, he's all over the place. He's Ed he's, TV, he's front of the podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Reality games. <laughs> porn. Not porn. Not porn. Not porn. Uh, and then Bill Zuckert, who's uh who played the old guy, who was apparently on an episode of Star Trek the original series, hmm. Spectre of the Gun. Ah, yeah. That's one of the they are all in like 1940s outfits in that one. Uh, and then, but I mostly knew, I recognized him. He played Mr. Finkel in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> Finkel and Einhorn. Einhorn and Finkel. Uh, <laughs> so those are all the actors from this film. That's it. That's well, all. you missed uh, the dad, uh, who I like to call Discount Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Maybe like Bargain Bin Bradley yeah, Cooper. Yeah, and then the daughter is definitely Bargain Bin Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Bargain bin Jennifer Conway. And the landlord guy who you mentioned before, I put as bargain bin J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I, I actually thought he looked. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Remind me of that a little bit. Mustache and the hair. Yes. And the attitude. Hey, get over here. <laughs> sport. I'm going to teach you a thing, sport. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all the notable actors. Nice. Uh, the screenplay was done by a guy named David, David J. Shaw or show uh, who also did the crow and did wrote this and critters Four. yeah, which as I mentioned in a previous episode were filmed back to back. Yeah. Like that almost the exact same time, basically um, music by David Williams. And I took a look and if you look at his, he, he is, he is low budget sci-fi. He's the guy they hire when they don't have the money to hire like a big composer for like minor sci-fi. So is he pretty gameplay employed a lot of the time? Oh yeah. Working, definitely working. Right. But you know, a lot of, you know, 
shows that ran for one season or minor movies or sequels. Good for him. Existing movies. Yeah, we're really working, but like he clearly discounts sci-fi music. Gotcha. Um, all right. So, and then we get into the movie. And I thought it was so funny that this movie started with the cheapest movie intro ever. <laughs> music with yellow text. And that's it. Very boring. No, no other visuals. And what basically sounds like Christmas music behind it. Like yeah. A lot of bell chimes and organ kind of stuff. And we have to say that uh, behind the scenes of this film, I actually watched a half hour little documentary that came along with the movie with the re-release of the, the Blu-rays. Um, but yeah, they, they pitched this that they said uh, they wanted to do Critters 3. And the studio was like, no, we don't have it. It didn't do well enough in theaters. Uh, we're like, hey, what about if we do straight to video? And we do two of them with the same budget you were going to give us for one of them. <laughs> they're like, all right. <laughs> so they basically convinced somebody like we can do this really fucking cheap and do two of them and they'll go straight to video. So it won't cost you any distribution. Like, That's how Brazil got the Olympics. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the, the credits make more sense when you think of it that way. Yeah. Just no money. Just yellow text over black background <laughs> with Christmas music behind it. Christmas music. Um, and then Jerm mentioned this earlier. They they start the movie by recapping the entire first movie mm-hmm. with bits from the second movie. Uh, and I don't know, but they misled you about the plot of the first movie. How so? To make it look like Charlie was a real bounty hunter the entire time. Yeah, that was confusing as hell. I was confused by that. I, don't, right, I, didn't, right. I didn't remember they, the first they two movies. Genuinely misled you about Charlie's role in the first two films to try to connect you to this one. Cause he was the only carryover. Cause he was in the first movie. There's a meteoroid crash from space and it's uh, Charlie is this drunk guy who's happens to see it falling. He's like drinking from a flask as he sees it happen. Right. Um, and I, He's I in town drunk. He ends up hooking up with the bounty hunters. One of them changes into him cause they're shapeshifters. And then they use those scenes. That's right. To make Charlie look like he was a bounty hunter in the original story. And so, he wasn't. So he never was. He mislead you. He, be, he goes off with them at the end of the first movie and becomes a bounty hunter and then comes back with them during the second. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, this is very important. But yeah, they completely <laughs> mislead you about who he is. That's funny. I didn't realize they that. They use this opening ridiculous recap to do that. <laughs> that's why he looks so put together in the recap. I was like, that's not even him. Like He has, doesn't look all disheveled and weird. Right. That's one of the shapeshifters that they, they purposely misled the audience. Um, so some kids are out. The, the, the kids are driving with their dad. They're coming back from a road trip or something. They stop. Uh, they run into Leo DiCaprio playing Frisbee. They're at a rest they go stop. Down, they go down to some woods. And then a man literally explodes from the ground. For some reason. There's like a puff of smoke or air that escapes when it happens. <laughs> I don't understand who, who thought this was a good idea. And it's Charlie. And it's Charlie, the drunk, who is still just nutty, and he starts talking to kids about conspiracy stuff, and those kids really should have gotten out of there way before. <laughs> Definitely a pedophile. Uh, and, then, and then he's like, I don't have many of these left. Here, take it, kid. It won't matter for the plot anyway. And he hands the young boy a, gr- a crystal. He says, when it glows green, that's when you watch out for yourself and for your family. And doesn't <sighs> explain to them what that means. <laughs> just Yeah. Um, and he's out there so searching that- for crates. Or critters. Right. So meanwhile, we get this like this camera view where you're in you're in the first person and it's low and they're implying that it's a critter. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, there is a critter out exactly where Charlie is. 
Yeah. This critter runs up to their, to their mobile home and puts, I think four eggs up in like the wheel. Well, up in the wheel. Well, and then gets run over. Does that sound right? Or just stays up there with its eggs. I don't think they ever show what happened to it. Right. right. This is where it gets strange then. Um, Yeah, this is where it gets strange. (laughs) Um, So they really mislead you. Uh, Leo steals an electric bullet. Yeah. From somehow he swipes it from the guy's pocket. Look what I took. And it's like one of those. It's a fancy future bullet of some sort. Yeah. And it really, it barely pays off. (laughs) Uh, so critters alive, it lays four eggs, puts it on and, um, and then they cut to them getting home and they're at this crappy building and they really set up this maintenance man that they, you know, something really awful is going to happen to him because they don't want you to like him at all. He's like the on, 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 uh, apartment campus landlord, but not the actual landlord, but he takes care of everything there and he's a total jerkwad, um, treats everyone like crap. He's actually secretly working for the actual landlord to try to kick them all out legally so that they can sell the building or just demolish it to build like a skyscraper there or something. Um, it's kind of the so idea. The, the family gets home to this apartment and someone's moving out. They crash their car. And so this is where things get real weird because the critter gets out from under the truck and you see the first person view again, run up to a window and break through the window. Okay. So, but then they go and they find two broken eggs, implying that two of the critters hatched. So, mm-hmm. were we looking at that those critters' point of view or the big critter that made it? No one knows. <laughs> but the hole that was made in the window, there's no way a big critter could fit through that. True. And they find another broken egg by the window. So the implication is that two critters hatched, <laughs> carried the other two eggs with them. And broke through a window. <laughs> You're thinking more about this than any of the filmmakers ever did. And that's the problem with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Okay. But the critters get inside and there's four of them, we think. Right. And they directly copy off what they saw happen in Gremlins 2 and be like, oh, we need to give each critter a personality. Right. And they give one a marking so you can tell it apart. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, yeah, they took a lot of cues from gremlins too. Um, so I thought it was really weird that she says so she has this kind of disenchanted fan, home life where her dad's away. And I don't know if you're supposed to hate the dad or not. Yeah. They have this dad who is apparently a train worker of some sort. He works on the railways. Um, he has a conductor hat later on of some sort. He does. Yeah. Um, so he's got to lead them for a while and they're all pissed about that. Dad, we want you to stay home with us. He's like, well, I got to work. Um, which is great because he's trying to provide for his family as a single father, you bastard like, kids. He wants to watch TV and the TV breaks and she like suggests they do something as a family. And he's like, no, go get me your TV. Yeah. Like it, it was just these weird moments where I'm like, I don't know what they want us to think about. This but at the same time, they hint that he's only disillusioned because he still is grieving his wife that's dead. Um, it's like they're trying to push way too much on this. But yeah, there is way too much implication. I will say they set up a lot of this stuff. And the cool thing is, is they make. uh the men useless in this movie and then the women are really empowered. Um, so the, we have the, the old, the old man is the one who ends up contacting Charlie. Yeah. Off. They have some, they have some, but the physical like uh, yes. parts that are usually taken by the man in this movie are taken by the women. There's a very physical, like very athletic looking woman who is uh, also living in the building who works for the phone company. 
and never really becomes like a love interest for anybody either, which is another cool thing, passing the Bechtel test, whatever, for that kind of thing. Um, But she also becomes a badass later on with like flares and um, just being in like a tank top and muscly. Um, Yeah, and goes out and climbs out and ends up dangling and, you know. Yeah, and not to skip ahead too much, but like er later on, pretty early on the movie, the dad gets like – injured and and also drugged so he can't really defend everybody so useless yeah so like the the young girl and the athletic woman are the one who take charge i'm like that is the one redeeming quality this movie is like it's ahead of its time doing that stuff it's pretty cool uh, so the maintenance man ends up encountering the critters and getting the living crap eaten out of him somehow all the critters are already full size yeah, because they only had one puppet to use they only had four of the same puppet to use um <laughs> And that's when you notice the puppetry got so much worse in this movie. And it's funny in the behind the scenes, they're talking about how much better it was. <laughs> Maybe easier. There was less rod driven stuff. Well, they said there were so many more servos they added for this movie. They added for the hands and for a lot of the things in the mouth. They added a lot more complexity, which might have made it look more shitty. Basically, it kind of made it look bad. Yeah, because they probably weren't ready to use that much. It just looked like really lame hand puppets. Yeah. And the servos just look uh, unnatural and kind of jittery and yeah. So the critters are on the loose and then we cut back to Leo DiCaprio and his jerk stepdad, stepdad revealing through plot that they're heading to the apartment building because he's afraid that his, that the guy, the sleazy guy won't take care of him and get the rest of the tenants out. And he's like, damn, go I don't want to go. And this is where one of the most irresponsible things in the movie happened. Leo's Game Boy wasn't powered on. Oh, you can see the switch. It's in the wrong position. Hmm. So irresponsible. <laughs> that is the most unforgivable part of this film. So he wasn't really playing a Game Boy. Um, so then the, 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 the woman, the, the, the like bigger woman older in the building goes down to do her laundry and ends up encountering the critters too. And the, the little girl, the girl hears her screaming and they go down and there's like a first like kind of tussle where one of them gets burned with bleach real bad. Yeah, they should have just like and, collected bleach after that and attacked the critters with bleach. Yeah, I actually wrote it down. Critters clearly have something different about their DNA, which makes them like burn in in reaction to bleach. Yeah, because if we put bleach on our skin right now, we just like we oh the shit, crap out of yeah, it. and you wash yeah. it off quickly, you'll be all right, it'll be fine. But that was like immediate reaction to bleach. So yeah, like it was acid. So so yeah, critters, alien DNA, something. Uh, so they they make it upstairs. The woman has been hit with the spike things that numb you out. Uh, and so the, and then her father comes to help and he gets hit with spike things too. And as we mentioned, he becomes useless. And then the ladies are in charge pretty much the rest of the film. And I have to backtrack a little bit because of my notes here, this is pretty important about reasons why this movie is really bad. Um, especially compared to careers one and two, which kind of were better knowing what they were. So I wrote 27 minutes in the movie before we see a critter and before anyone gets killed or attacked 27 minutes. And the scene where the first guy is getting attacked and killed, the New Yorker sleazy uh, landlord guy, it, it it took so long to kill him. I just wrote, just kill him already. I'm bored. <laughs> I was just like, this is taking yeah, forever. It really, it really drew out the scene. So, yeah, it was just it's very slow moving for an 85 minute movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually wrote. So they run upstairs away from the critters. And then my next note is a whole lot of nothing happens <laughs> yeah, exactly. until Leo and his stepdad show up. Stepdad gets killed, locked in a room. Why didn't he even try? Why didn't he even try to get out? Was yeah. he really locked in? Just stood there, dies, and yelled "sport" over and over again. Sport, sport. 
Yes, that was real dumb, and that's why you they didn't want you to feel bad for him at all. Get me pictures of Spider-Man! Uh, at one point, the critters <laughs> try to make it upstairs, and one of them gets hit with a flare uh, and falls and then catches the building on fire. So, funny story about the flare. The behind-the-scenes thing I watched. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at one point, the woman, yeah, she sticks a flare in the critter's mouth to make it go away. Um so apparently they're supposed to cut before she got anywhere near the expensive puppet. Uh, but the actress got too caught up in the moment and she actually stuck the flare completely in the puppet's mouth. Wow. And so it looked great on film, but they had to cut really fast, put it out and they had to like do repairs on the puppet because it was severely burnt by the flare <laughs> and they only had one. <laughs> so there's an interesting little fact there. It was very precious. These puppets. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they end up uh, getting up to the attic and um, they've got like the two old people and now three kids and uh, the woman from the phone company decides to go out and that she's got to reach a phone and call for help because they realize the building's on fire and someone's got to make it out. So she crawls out of these wires. She ends up falling and catching her leg oh, and then swinging. For 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. How long? She was so close to being at the phone, and then they cut back. You forgot about her, and they didn't cut back to her for like 12 minutes, and she's still swinging trying to get to the phone. And here's the thing. With the camera shot, you can clearly see the, the rope or the, the line is just looped around her leg, and she is so athletic looking. She could easily have pulled herself up, removed the loop from her foot, and just plopped down on the ground. And I was like, yeah. This stop showing us it's the loop it, and how easy it would be to remove. She's going to swing there for the next 25 minutes. of the <laughs> Yeah, it was terrible. Um, so they make it up to the attic and the critters are caught in the kitchen. And this is the worst scene in the entire movie. <laughs> they basically are trying to do exact copy of the wonderfulness that was Gremlins 2 in the kitchen. Or was that Gremlins 1? Uh, uh, Gremlins, Gremlins 1. I'd say more so Gremlins 2 just because of the hijinks that were involved. Like the, it was almost the them, the Gremlins in the lab. Right. But there was a whole Gremlins in the kitchen hijinks in Gremlins 1. Yeah. That was more, that was less hijinks and more like vicious attack destruction. One throws plates at the mom and then she stabs it to death. <laughs> a little bit different. Um, or also, I thought this was sort of akin to the hungry heifer scene from Critters 2. I barely remember. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Um, <laughs> but yeah, one of them eats soap and the other one eats pies and one of them is just up on a shelf pouring flour on the others and the puppetry gets really, really poor for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and it's just monotonous. Like basically that one guy's the one pup critter is pouring uh, dish soap down its throat and I'm like, oh, something's going to happen and it just cuts away I'm like, OK, and then like a f- three minutes later cuts back to him. He, he makes some noises and then puts more dish soap down his throat. Ha ha ha. And then cuts and away. I'm like, what the fuck? Time, and then finally he's laying in the sink. And bubbles are coming out of his mouth just the way you expected. Right. Three cuts later. At, it's like, we did not need to see that three times for no payoff. Like, what is what are we waiting to look for? I don't yeah, understand. guys, three's a crowd. I guess they're really stretching out. Three's a crowd. Yes. <laughs> they're really stretching out to that 85 minutes they need to make for like this a feature film i guess it was just um, really bad so, so now the the young girl decides it's her job that she's got to go and get help so she climbs down a ladder and gets trapped kind of in the lobby by the critters and they're about to get her and that's when the door blows open and charlie is suddenly there with some sort of insane weapon uh the bullets that the guy had taken apparently they show that later those are the things that explode hardcore and 
like future yeah, bullets. So he's blowing up critters, but then his weapon runs out of ammo or malfunctions and they get, they end up in an elevator and they're back up conveniently all the way back up to the attic with everyone else. Right. Uh, you get some, the critters finally make it despite the fact not being able to make it before, which doesn't really add up. Uh, you get some predictable critters deaths uh, and then they, suddenly everyone makes it onto the roof. And uh, the last, the final critter that hasn't been killed goes after the kid and Charlie jumps in front of it, but the kid almost falls to his death anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, and Charlie lives, crushes the final critter and the kid lives and everyone lives happily ever after. And one thing that really bothered me is that earlier in the movie, they try to get in the roof, but the door has a lock on it and they can't get out mm-hmm. later on. They just show her opening the roof door. There's no explanation. Yep. Nothing. <laughs> just suddenly she's just able to open it. Uh, so then we get like like a an, an ending, an epilogue, so to speak, um, where everyone's outside wrapped in blankets and ambulances there. And uh, no one knows where Charlie went. And Josh's mom, the kid, shows up and she's like not upset at all that her husband's dead. <laughs> It's very deadpan. Yeah, it's terrible. Talk to the tenants about her husband owed them a lot of money, and so she's going to pay it off. Yay! Everyone's happy. Uh, meanwhile, we get to cuts of Charlie during the end credits, and Charlie. This is the setup for the fourth film that also happened, where he goes down. He finds the last two critter eggs, and he's about to destroy him. And then, Ugg, one of the alien bounty hunters from the first two movies, shows up, and a hologram is like. Don't kill them. Those are literally the last two crates. We need to preserve them. We're sending a shuttle. So they send a shuttle and Char- Charlie climbs in to put the eggs in and then gets trapped. <laughs> and that is how he ends up in Critters 4. Which I hope I never see. <laughs> but I feel it's like I'm going to make myself watch bad. it. You've already seen it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to force myself to watch it because I'm like, I've already seen three of them. There's only one left. Watch it from like an academic perspective. And there's going to be a series soon. They're making a new TV series. That's right. It's like uh, Critters the Binging or something like that. Something like that. That yeah. sounds right. Uh, all right. Well, that's been Critters 3 and the first round of our threes a crowd. Uh, I'm going to ask the question at the end. Uh, do you think the third film was better than either of the other two? No. All right. The answer is also no for me. I think that's the question I'm going to ask at the end of all of these. I believe three was a crowd. It was a crowd. (laughs) So the Rotten Tomatoes has uh, six critics. They can only find six critics to review it uh, with a score currently of zero (laughs) percent. And it sounds right. An average rating of two point eight out of ten. Since it was released direct to video, it has no figures uh, as to its budget or profits. So we don't know what the, what the IMTV trivia page for this had two pieces of trivia of the, on it. Yeah. And one of them was that this was Leo DiCaprio's first film. <laughs> exactly. I looked so. at it too. <laughs> I'm thankful I had that behind the scenes no documentary thing. I wouldn't that this thing. Happened. I would have had less to talk about. Oh, but I did want to say, yeah, the, uh, the creators were so proud of it in this documentary, but um, they could, would, you could tell they could all tell it was really bad. Because they kept saying things like, we did the best we could with the time and money that we had. Because they're just like, right. but we loved it. It was like a passion project for them. They literally loved doing it. So I can I can appreciate that. But it was a steaming pile of crap. It really was. And I like most movies. This was just really bad. <laughs> All right. So around our discussion of critters, I've got a section, a new bit that I'm going to call Pesky Pests. 
pesky pets pests because they they send a, uh bounty hunters or exterminators to take care of the the crates but there are plenty of critters in our real world uh, so some fun facts uh fleas carry diseases that have killed more people than every war that's ever been fought jesus that's right like ebola uh ebola the black plague is the one that was spread right. spread via fleas via rats yeah that's terrible um under perfect conditions, a female cockroach can produce 2 million offspring a year. That's just wrong. Every day worldwide, there's $2.5 million in property damage done by rats. They oh, also wow. eat, contaminate, and destroy enough food yearly to feed 200 million people. Hmm. That's right. It's a lot of rats. That's a lot of rats. Uh, so cockroaches can run stupid fast. Stupid fast. Uh, cockroaches can run at 1.7 miles per hour. Just to put in contrast, average human walking speed is 3.1. And that would be the equivalent of a six-foot-tall guy running 135 miles per hour. <laughs> oh, That's incredible, though. It's only 1.7 miles per hour. When I see them running across the floor, I'm like, that looks like it's 100 miles per hour. <laughs> it's yeah, so fast all relative at that point it is but it's crazy uh ants now pesky household critters uh used to be ground up and prescribed to cure leprosy and freckles because in medieval time freckles were thought to be a skin disorder <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh and then finally bed bugs everyone's favorite um they've been studied to figure out why they are so successful at spreading so incredibly quickly and Scientists now believe it is because the species practices something called, and I'd never heard of this before, traumatic insemination, mm-hmm. where the male literally stabs the female in the gut with this like claw, sharp claw thing and then inserts his sperm and DNA into the wound. Jesus. And that's how she's impregnated. And so they believe that the females spend most of their time on the run from males. And that is what contributes to why bed bugs spread so insanely quick. That's terrible because of traumatic insemination. I'm glad it's confined to like bed bugs and that's it. Hopefully. There's probably, I know they said there are other bug in invertebrate species that do practice it. Gotcha. It's, it's pretty rare. Hmm. So that has been pesky pests to take us out of our discussion of critters. And that brings us on to our discussion of trailer reviews. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low, Mm -hmm. low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire to burn it Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. All right. So I think the first one I want to talk about is the one I'm 
well, less uh, excited for, which would be The Dead Don't Die, which I hadn't even heard of until today. So it's amazing. That's right. So here it is. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. You look gorgeous. Oh my. Are you in this together? Flesh-eating zombies. Don't joke, it's really, really creepy. Oh, man, this isn't going to end well. They gravitate towards things they did when they were alive. Called B. Chardonnay. Did she just say Chardonnay? Yeah, she did. Welcome to my world, zombies. I've been telling you this is all going to end badly. That's unfortunate. I'm quite confident of my ability to defend myself against the undead. I can see that. Excuse me. Those are some pretty good cuts. You played some minor league ball, didn't you? Well, um, a little class A. It was a long time ago. So you said in a, uh, a text message about what you felt about this film from the yeah. trailer. I thought it was hilarious Star- the way you put it. So this feels like Wes Anderson sharded and popped out a zombie film. <laughs> oh my God. Now mind you, I understand this is really a no, there's no way affiliated with Wes Anderson has a couple of his players, mm-hmm. uh, but it looks like that kind of stylistic, weird, quirky approach. And I hate that. I hate it. So after you said that it soiled my view of what I was kind of excited about. I was excited about this film until you said that. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of worried because you're right. And I don't like many Wes Anderson films. I like the more fantastical ones. I don't like mm-hmm. the ones like, uh, that are more down to earth because it's just a bunch of annoying people. I don't like, um, yes, but it's more fantastical ones. I actually do enjoy They're like, it's cool. Fantastical adventures, like magical realism kind of thing. But, uh, Every almost every person in these trailers are deadpan. And I'm like, you have to have some kind of contrast to make the film look interesting. Um, yeah, there's nothing like uh, the, I'll say who was in it first. We have Adam Driver, Bill Murray, Selena Gomez, Tilda Swinton, Steve Buscemi, Chloe Sevigny, Danny Glover and the Iggy. Rizza. What was that? The Rizza. The Rizza and Iggy Pop and that lady I love from uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. But I can't remember her name. Um, Rosie Perez shows up randomly. Yeah, Carol great cast. And the thing is, every shot they use in the trailer, at least, everybody is deadpan. And I'm like, to make a well-rounded film, you have to have somebody to play off of. Like, Adam Driver, I think, is the best part of the trailer. Like, when he says, you know, ghouls. He always sounds like Christopher Walken, almost. You know? But uh, that was, I actually, true. I chuckled at that part. I was like, oh, ghouls. It's just really funny. Um but it's also directed by Jim Jarmusch, which I appreciate because it almost sounds like Jarman Jarmusch. That's right. That's a reason to like a movie. <laughs> but he 
typically only does high profile art house films. Um, yeah, Broken Flowers is the one that I'm I'm most familiar with. Right, same here. Like my my aunt and uncle love that film, and I, I recognize a few of their titles, but I hadn't seen them. So it's very odd that he's doing a big star-studded uh, zombie film. But that's probably why he was able to get so many stars in this movie because he's a big art house darling kind of person. Um, so yeah, what do you what do you give this thing? Oh, burn it! <laughs> I won't give this a buck, even if it shows up on Netflix. I probably will not watch it, and I love zombie films. I have a my my tattoo is a zombie bite. I won't watch this. Well, as it's falling into the fire, I'm going to catch it. I'm going to give it a buck and watch it. And then if it's crap, I will throw it back in the fire. Continue its way to the fire. If not, I'll be like, oh, shit, the trailer was garbage. You should watch this, Steve. Then I'll and it could that. be it could be the trailer's garbage. It's very possible because right. like if they're just showing all the deadpan moments in the trailer, then it's not a fair shake. Right. Uh, and so our next film for trailer review is uh, the much anticipated The Joker. Starring Joaquin Phoenix. Here it is. Arthur, does it help to have someone to talk to? My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose. To bring laughter and joy to the world. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? <laughs> What's so funny? Freak! Gotham has lost its way. What kind of coward would do something that cold-blooded? Someone who hides behind a mask. I used to think that my life was a tragedy, but now I realize it's a comedy. So you can tell there were some cuts in that trailer because there's a lot of just long music. Music, yeah. Yeah, but it's a beautiful trailer. Um, It is. I wish that the DC uh, universe was done right from the get go. And somehow we had a Christopher Nolan Batman um, style movie, uh, a, a wonderful, happy, positive uh, boy scout Superman movie. This movie of the Joker. Yeah. And like built this beautiful, interesting cinematic universe. That's totally different than the MCU. but, because the MC, the DC universe is so fucked, they just had to make a separate movie entirely that's not even related that looks really interesting. <laughs> I hope that this movie does so well that it puts them on a track. They just like they they screw it. the rest of it and just go with this. <laughs> they just can't ignore it. Right. They can't put the Joker on screen again unless it's Joaquin Phoenix, which is a shame because Jared Leto is already showing up in the, I think, the Birds of Prey movie that's happening. Ugh. Yeah. And they're doing a, a, a Suicide Squad 2 with um, James Gunn directing, which might be a soft reboot, maybe? They're, 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 yeah, I don't know. They're all over the fucking place. Will Smith's not in. He said he's not doing it. Yeah, Idris Elba's taking his place, which I'm kind of okay with, but the movie's still going to be yeah. garbage. See, now just we're trading MCU for DC. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's not Heimdall anymore. He's <laughs> right, <anymore>. right. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Now this one, this give it a buck. I know I probably won't be able to go see it in theaters, uh, but I will definitely watch this as soon as I can at home. Yeah. And I'll let you know how it is. I'm, I'm definitely going to shut up and take my money to this one because it just looks beautiful. And what's weird is that uh, Martin Scorsese was attached to it originally, I think because of the script. So that's a lot of the buzz going around was that mm-hmm. the script is very, it pulls a lot from the King of comedy, which is a Scorsese early film. Did you ever see that film? uh with de niro right right and uh jerry lewis actually yeah so like de niro like wants to be a good stand comedian but he can't so um he basically kidnaps his idol played by jerry lewis in his later career a very dark but dark comedy weird movie um and there's a lot of parallels in this film with that so originally scorsese was going to direct this and he had to drop out um and so the guy took his place i forgot his name but he directed old school and all the hangover movies. Whoa. So it's a big departure for him, but it's like, it looks beautiful and it looks like it's definitely an homage to Scorsese films. So I'm like, this looks great. And like just a different caliber of actor from Jared Leto to walking Phoenix. Like he just, I think he'll do a much better job. <laughs> yeah, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know how it is when I see it. All right, let me know. And then I'll check it out at home. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to some Radical Recommends. Radical Recommends. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. So what you got for us, Steve? Uh, So this week, uh, in my continuing finding interesting people on YouTube, I found a guy uh, named Jason Roop. Jason, Jason, like you think, and Roop, R-U-P-P. Hmm. Uh, and he doesn't go by anything else. That is literally what he goes by. Um, and he is a white guy who does food and travel videos, travels all over um, Southeast Asia and parts of Eastern Europe, um, and does kind of what you're expecting for travel videos, food, local culture, local booze, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and the things that I like about him is that when you watch his videos, there are almost no other white people anywhere he goes. So he goes to places that white people do not go. That's why you mentioned he was white. Yes. (laughs) Specifically, because that's one thing I like about his videos is like, he's not anywhere near. You can tell he is just out of the way somewhere. Gotcha. And the things I really enjoy the most about him is he does these reviews where he goes to barber shops and salons and spas um, and like Turkish baths when he was in Turkey. And he like, goes over these kind of insane beauty treatments that you get at normal barber shops and stuff all over the world, except for the U S <laughs> <laughs> so like he goes into a barbershop for a $3 haircut and they end up doing like a nose peel and waxing his ears and his inner nose and doing his eyebrows and giving three bucks. We're right. And now mind you, he admits some of this is kind of scammy because they advertise the $3 haircut and they just start doing these things. And at the end, they charge you for all these extras. Oh, gotcha. And so he admits that this happens, but he also admits that in most of these cultures, uh, not bargaining, you know, uh, is a, is a big part of their culture. And so typically if he offers, and I see this over and over again in the video, he offers any pushback. They immediately drop the price. Huh? Cause they know that so like, like they didn't say it up front. <laughs> right. Like they know, they know that he's calling them on it and gotcha. they're hoping that he's a dumb tourist, but he's not. So he goes in, promised three dollar haircut, gets like an hour and a half worth of beauty treatment and just insane <laughs> like ear cleanings and stuff. And at the end, they're like, "Yeah, it'll be twenty three dollars." He goes, "What?" And they go, 11. 
And so he ends up paying $11 for like this crazy. And these, and those are the videos of his. I like the most, right? It's him going in, like getting a, a 2 a.m. haircut in Istanbul that turns into like a full treatment at 2 (laughs) a.m. Right. Um, he, he talks about all the airlines he flies on and the best ones for cheap flights in Europe and the middle. Really interesting. And he really doesn't have that many followers, but he pumps out a ton of content and it's a lot of it's very high quality. Nice. So Jason Roop, J S O N R U P P find him on Facebook and on YouTube. Fun, cool travel videos. Yeah. I want to watch stuff like that instead of actually going to those places. Cause I don't ever want to go, but I'll watch those videos. That's right. Yeah, I don't want anyone ever cleaning out my ears with little sticks. <laughs> At two o'clock in the morning. At two o'clock in the morning in Istanbul. So for my radical recommend, I have another content creator out there. Um, a show I've mentioned before, but it's been a while, uh, called The Nerdy Show, uh, which is one of the inspirations that made me originally start doing a podcast. Uh, they've been around for 10 years, uh, and they... Do they've over the years done tons of different nerdy content, different podcasts? They produce lots of different stuff, but the main thing they're focusing on now is audio dramas. Um, they started off with RPG dramas, like um, they did a Dungeons and Dragons style game of a different system, um, but they call it Dungeons and Doritos because at the beginning of every episode they try out different different kinds of Doritos from around the world, and then they okay. delve into their campaign. But there's sound effects and music, and it feels like a experience instead of just like a listening to people play a game. Um, but now they've grown past that even to where now they have a thing called uh, the call of Cthulhu mystery program. And I was never into the Cthulhu mythos that much. And like the 1920s horror, uh, uh, genre, but this show is, is astounding and they have two seasons out now and free on Apple and iTunes or anywhere else you get podcasts. Um, so I recommend starting with the first season. They call Cthulhu Mystery Program. Uh, you can find it under that name or under the Nerdy Show. They have it under both those podcast feeds. And it's just a, the first season is much more comedic. Uh, a, it's just like you follow four characters who are actual players in character. But what they do is after they record the game, they go in and they take the the, the GM's voice and they, any characters he does, they get actual voice actors to do those character voices and they do other um, the music and sound effects on top of that. They have original composers doing the music um, and they kind of just develop the story from there. Um, and season two is a little bit more dark and there's a romance in that story and it's just very involved. But there's only like, I think, eight episodes or eight to ten episodes for each season. And okay. they're half hour to an hour each. And it's just beautiful. <laughs> technological technological achievement basically so okay highly recommend it nerdy show call cthulhu mystery program if you have never tried audio drama before go for it if you like gaming go for it if you like podcasts go for it so i'm always looking for stuff to listen to on my drive yeah go for it man it's fantastic so that brings us to a very involved thank you section We're going to talk over so we don't get any flags for the computer algorithms that look for the song. Can't identify it. Once again, listeners, if you have a song that would be great for our thank you section that won't get flagged so much, that would be great. Uh, Send us your suggestions. Maybe something like open license, like happy birthday, (laughs) which is now open license. Yeah. Mary go or like, here we go around the mulberry bush or something. You know, let us know. Sorry, this is a long episode. I take some drink of water. Yeah, man, we really went for it. (laughs) Oh, and we got some more to go. This is the one where everyone gives up. (laughs) Just quits listening.
Yep. So we have uh, an email from our friend, our new friend and old friend, Quirky Neuron, who you heard on our D&D um, segment not long ago and who wrote yep. our Avengers Endgame pod, uh, article as well. And you had a correction, I think, Steve. I did. So I got to apologize. When I was doing Dopey Dungeons and Dragons and I was designing Chukatroke, the warrior, I kept referring to him as a warrior when I meant fighter. And I feel uh-huh. like a fool and I owe our audience apology. I kept saying warrior. And even when I listened to it, I kicked myself every time I said the word warrior. I mean, warrior has been used in the past D&D. Um, tropes, that's true. Right? But in 5e, it's fighter. And that's what I meant. Gotcha. So let's get into it. Now that All I've redacted. Right. So we found out that Quirky Neuron is one of our old friends from high school and even maybe middle school, actually, if I remember correctly. But high school, I think. Just high, yeah, I think yeah, he went to Maitland. Great. But anyways, we weren't going to say his name because he has not explicitly said to say his name. So we're not going to. But Quirky Neuron has done a fantastic job of giving us this long email because he is going through our entire back catalog of shows. Oh, shit. So he went first backwards from their most recent episode to episode 100. Then he stopped himself and was like, what am I doing? So he went back from the beginning and he started from one going forward. So, wow. Yeah. So he's got some comments. <laughs> that stuff that we don't, that was five years ago now. And I said to him in a response, I'm like, I got to say this in the podcast with Steve because Steven has a much better memory of episodes than I do. And he's listened to them more times than I have. Sometimes true. I have gone through. And some of these might re- bring up some memories for me because I actually edit them and stuff, but you've That's true. you just have a better memory for this stuff. So here we go. Here's what he says. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. I'm glad you like the article. A friend of mine at work and I geek out over the MCU and have a predilection prediction wall on his whiteboard in our engineering offices. Also, his entire office is Marvel themed. It's pretty amazing. So a few things I noticed since I emailed you my article that somewhat reinforced my guesses in case you're interested. One, Pepper Potts is shown among the living heroes after the snap on the new color versus black and white headshots for Avenge the Fallen promos that Marvel just launched. Uh, Why would she be in and not happy unless it's an Easter egg that she has retained her extremist program capabilities? And by the way, happy is in, I think, color. So I think there was a mistake there because he's actually in the new movies. Okay, there's only three little predictions here Um, in a three hour runtime, which just announced in a hero action flick. That can't keep the pace unless there are numerous separate action sequences, such as multiple failed attempts to steal the Infinity Stones through quantum entanglement. That's true. That's right. And we'll discuss this in a future episode, we hope, folks. So keep, keep tuned for this. All right. Uh, three, with movie cast members like Tilda Swinton, the ancient one from Doctor Strange, returning to, uh, to press releases, returning according to press releases. I'm getting tired, folks. Uh, there has to be some kind of time play. But time travel seems a stretch, doesn't it? I don't know. Quirky neuron. I don't think I think there'll be a time. There'll be time to play there. All right. So number four. Last one. Uh, while Batista was very vocal when James Gunn was fired, neither he, neither his Twitter account nor any interviews seem to include him men, uh, mentioning it since it announced that Gunn is being brought back on for Ga- <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Plus, I don't know if you've ever seen what he goes through every time they do the Drax makeup, but it's very intense. That is true. It's a whole body thing. So he might be fired from this. We're not, we're not sure. Well, not only that, but I think Kevin Gunn during creative process has basically said that his intentions was never to keep the, the Guardians the same crew for a long time. Because in the comics, they change out a lot, right? Oh, yeah. It's been like a rotating group. 
That would make sense. Yeah, I, I kind of appreciate uh, if you did that. Gun, Gun has maintained that from the beginning, that his intention was never to keep this cast. That's a good thing to remember. Yeah, that's why they added the um, the Mantis chick for this, the third film, right? Or the second film, rather. Maybe. But like, I'm going to guess that Drax is gone. Quill is gone. They'll keep Rocket Raccoon because he's a computer. They'll you keep, think Peter they Quill be gone? Through. Yeah. Wow. All right. Chris Pratt's getting too big for it. I'm telling you. I mean, this was his bread and butter, though. This is the first thing that made him popular. Yeah. So what? He's All beyond right. it now. He's got a whole career. <laughs> All right. So here's the stuff uh, that from his our episodes. Okay, man. All right. All right. Also, FYI, tell me to stop if you already have this. But on your 100th episode, one of your fellow podcasters left an audio message and suggested you follow up on old trailer reviews to see how they pan out. Coincidentally, after working backwards to episode 100, I decided to start at the beginning. So I'm taking notes on which trailers you guys reviewed and what you said about them. He says, best take so far was when you reviewed uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Episode 1 on your 10th podcast, and you guessed Ronan was an agent of Thanos. So we got that right. Yeah. He says, while Steve guessed Star-Lord was abducted from Earth after losing his last ties to humans, which is true as well. That's awesome. Uh, This was episode. Oh, this was five episodes after the original prediction that the collector would be the bad guy of the film based on the first trailer. So we were wrong about that. That's true. We were. Absolutely. Uh, he says, worst take so far, probably Jarman giving shut up and take my money equivalent ratings, pre-rating system, to Transcendence with Johnny Depp and A Million Ways to Die in the West. <laughs> you did. You really defended A Million Ways to Die in the no, West. No, I've seen Transcendence now and it was pretty shitty. It's very forgettable. Yes. Bad. I should not give that a, a high rating. A Million Ways to Die in the West. I loved it. I don't care what anyone uh, says. I oh loved it. God. <laughs> he says, or Steve's praise for the TMNT and Godzilla relaunches. <laughs> I was so hopeful. <laughs> so apparently you praised them like hell with those trailers. <laughs> You're like, yeah, man, they're gonna be great. Well, no, it's not like that because I remember saying Godzilla and the same. I love big monster fight films. Right. I just love, love them. They will always have a place in my heart. So, yes. And absolutely. to be fair, neither of those movies were terrible. I don't think either of them were that bad. Yeah, TMNT was pretty bad. Yeah, it's kind of rough. Uh, Also, Steve suggested Liam Neeson play Doctor Strange, and he put a crying happy face. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't remember that. I'm Doctor Strange. I'm a monster. (laughs) That's right. That's why he did the voice. I remember that. All right. Also, episode five is the greatest episode I've listened to thus far of about 33 or 34 episodes. Uh, from the oppressed from the oppressive atrocities against Pluto committed by Goofy to Ringo's failed album Butterfly Butthole Kisses to Picard <laughs> staff meetings to British accented Americans trying to get discharged in the military by faking a UFO sighting probably goes in your greatest hits catalog. All right. <laughs> I had to re-listen to that episode. I don't remember any of that stuff. I don't remember what that is. That's fantastic. That's spectacular. Uh, it says episode much better than I remember. Yeah. Episode two did not age well, though. It has a whole bit with Dr. Bill Cosby judging you for your porn MD searches. Uh, Yikes. Uh, we so I, I have re-listened. We make a lot of references to Cosby in like the first 25 episodes. Oh, my God. I didn't really watch that show. Why would we make so many references to him? I don't know why. But for whatever <laughs> reason, we land on the Cosby impression a lot. <laughs> Jello pudding snacks. I'm in jail now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. All right. So, and for a few questions asked thus far. So questions we asked apparently on the podcast to listeners that no one ever answered. Okay. All right. So how to make the most conversation, oh, controversial movie of the year with a PG rating. I remember that one. And he said, he said, gay animated character. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a good thing too. It pushed the conversation forward. All right. It says how to make over $1 million with poop hands. Because if you remember, remember we had a, a thing going there for a while. Would you rather have $1 million or hands that create poop? And are you saying that you might be able to produce poop fast enough to project yourself through the air like Iron Man? Yes. With your poop hands. I remember this. So his response is fecal transplants. It's a real thing. But do you have a chance of your poop hands accidentally misfiring ever? Because if so, I'll take the money instead of the poop hands. But basically, yeah, fecal transplants is great for Crohn's disease. That's got things he can make a lot of money off that. That's right. It's like he just wants to make sure that if he sneezes, he's not going to ruin his new new Toyota Corolla. (laughs) His Toyota Corolla. That's the car he's going to go for. I don't want to be too ambitious. (laughs) All right. So how do millionaires like Nick Cage get into so much trouble with the IRS? I mean, I think that seems pretty obvious to me now. I don't know how I didn't know that before, but he says, have you seen his purchases? It's a thing. You could make a bit on the show out of it. Like a, like a who bought it, Nick Cage or a dumb lottery winner. (laughs) He says, here are some examples of ridiculous Nick Cage purchases, real shrunken pick me heads, a pet octopus and a dinosaur skull that he had to return. Those were from a CNBC article, not a tabloid. He says. So he had to return the dinosaur skull. Yeah. Something about it went missing from a, a museum or something. And he bought it. Not knowing belongs in a museum. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. So two more outstanding jokes that were made while I am on a review. Uh, oh God. Disabling Norwegian windowless VR tanks with paint. Oh yeah. Send out the children. <laughs> yes. And lady asbestos unknown cause of death had me rolling. I don't remember <laughs> that at all. It was uh, Lady Asbestos, whose power was was that she was made of asbestos. Oh, yeah. Richard, I think died of cancer or something. Died of I think that was her episode about the, the terrible DC characters, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, name that power, maybe. I oh, that was, yeah, that's something for a while, yeah. The game, though. Yeah. So the final whole paragraph here. All right, guys, take it easy. I haven't listened to the new episode with my Ewok D&D character yet, but once I do, I'll give my thoughts and then drop my next idea, which I think is completely playable and a fun character that nerds everywhere would recognize. Cave dweller, great fighter, very smart. Mm. Until then, live long and prosper, Quirky Neuron. Ah, well, thank you, Quirky Neuron. For giving Holy us our f- first one hour and 30 minute episode in a long time. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever done one this long. I think we have at least Maybe. on one occasion. Um, so thank you, Quirky Neuron. We look forward to more from you. And I think we're going to maybe have you on an episode coming up to talk about some endgame stuff. That would be cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a long one. Thank you for sticking with us. If you did stick with us, uh, we will keep on being coming back and being your nerdy co-host. If you guys keep coming back and being our nerdy audience, thank you again, internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to a play on nerds. 
Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How.